0: Jared Kushner's hand-picked froze didn't exactly do a great job finding protective gear for doctors. Babies around the country are bursting into tears while watching Frozen 2 and it me, I am baby. And BuzzFeed News Science reporter Dan Vergano gives it to us straight about everything we don't know yet about COVID-19.
1: The date, May 6, 2020.
0: The time, News O'Clock. Hello, friends. I'm Hayes Brown.
1: And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'clock, Hayes. Before we go any further, I need to talk to you about the voice and what I just witnessed.
0: I not. Ex- exactly how i expected to kick things off today but i'm all ears continue
1: first of all just know that i'm fascinated by the voice and how america uh, is connected to it and we could talk about later how the, in 2016 i knew trump was going to win because of how voting was going on the voice but anyway
0: that's some straight up I- octopus predicting the world cup <laughs> shit right there so i'm fascinated <laughs> but continue <laughs>
1: Anyways, I was watching the voice last night and they and I was wondering what they were gonna do because they were delaying it and they're finally at the live portion where and I was like, what are they gonna do for the live? They usually have a crowd, like blah blah blah. Anyways watch it on monday night and then last night they showed us how they set everything up and basically they sent packages to every single contestant full of mics lighting instructions like recording stuff and then they also sent it to the coaches which is like blake shelton and nick jonas and it was just wild and crazy to watch all of these performances like in their living rooms and they tried to give like photoshop like backdrops onto it so it seemed <laughs> less wild than it is but it was truly an, an an insane experience and then they got the results live with their families where they're quarantining in their homes just standing there and there was that awkward delay that everyone is used to on like zoom and stuff like that it was a truly oh, surreal experience
0: that's kind of reminds me like the in, like the NBA or the NFL draft, or like Ooh. when they're picking the teams that go to the playoffs or the the uh, uh, NCAA tournament, I kind of do love that idea though of them just being huddled up with their families, like holding hands and everyone going freaking nuts when the results come yes. in or if it sucks at least instead of having like your mom maybe in the audience with you you got everyone around you so the weight is lessened
1: it really was it was a very like it was a very supportive situation although i will say like one person had like 15 people surrounding hey. them and i'm like tell me more about how your social yeah, social wait distancing- do you have 15 people in your house <laughs> that doesn't sound
0: good in any case <laughs>
1: Oh, who knows?
0: (laughs) All right. It is time for today's Corona update. Here are the three things you need to know about. Number one, the White House Task Force on Coronavirus might or might not be wrapping up in the near future, even as the outbreak continues to spread. So here's what happened. Vice President Mike Pence told reporters yesterday that the task force was looking at shuttering by Memorial Day, so end of the month. Right now, the task force includes medical experts like Dr. Fauci and Dr. Deborah Bricks, but also has members like the National Security Advisor, the head of the FDA, the Treasury Secretary, and the White House Economic Advisor but of course as ever a tweet threw everything into chaos trump tweeted out this morning that despite what pence just said the task force won't actually end but will continue indefinitely while also working on vaccines and figuring out how to reopen the economy trump later added that i thought we could wind it down sooner but i had no idea how popular the task force is until actually yesterday when i started talking about winding down it is appreciated by the public number two even though you think a health crisis would be good for business u.s hospitals are set to lose Billions from the pandemic, the American Hospital Association said in a report on Monday that hospitals and health systems will lose an estimated $202 billion between January and June. And employment declined in the field by 43,000 jobs during just February and March, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That includes job losses in dentist offices and physicians, 17,000, 12,000 losses, respectively. John Hopkins found something similar, that sustained decreases in how many people are actually coming into these health centers is really making things worse. So as people are choosing to hold off on treatment, hospitals are losing more money, which will then potentially cost all of us later when folks have to get those treatments that are currently on pause taken care of.
1: I mean, it like sucks that this is the situation that's happening, that they're losing, I mean, this mass amount of money, but it does make sense. I think some people's surgeries are deemed elective, so they can't go in and get them. And then other people who maybe do want to go in for those elective surgeries don't want to be in a space that's so filled with... The virus, you know, I mean, it's a scary time for everyone.
0: Right, exactly. And you know what? If you have like a slight hurt in your leg and you don't want to risk going into the hospital, that could wind up being much worse later. So uh, uh, is what I have to say to that. Uh. All right. Number three. Trump's son-in-law turned senior White House advisor Jared Kushner hired a bunch of 20-somethings to help source critical protective gear for doctors, and um, it went about as well as you'd expect. The New York Times published a massive story yesterday diving into Kushner's efforts, finding that offers of help meant heard not by seasoned professionals, but by about a dozen volunteers who Kushner himself tapped. They were meant to sift through leads and pass on only the most promising to FEMA, but more often than not, they wound up just listening to demands from Trump donors and others who have the president's ear. Things were bad enough that one volunteer wound up writing a whistleblower's report and sending it to the House of Representatives.
1: Okay, Hayes, the only thing I could think about the entire time you were talking was how this sounds is if Jared Kushner hired someone like John Ralphio from Parks and Recreation to do his bidding, and of course it would end up like this. Of course nothing was done correctly.
0: I can see it so clearly right now. Yellow, yellow, John Ralphio here, taking all of your COVID needs. <laughs> We've got the pandemic masks. Uh, it's, it's pretty much exactly the way it went down, according to the New York Times. They just probably couldn't print that easily.
1: <laughs> all right. It's time for today's good news, bad news. This is where I bring you some of the most awe and some of the most big yikes stories from around the Internet. Good news. Miley Cyrus straight up said what we've all known Celebrities are not going through this crisis the same way the rest of us are. I mean, duh. We've already seen that from their homes in the background of their Instagram lives. Anyways, Miley brought up that celebrities are living differently through this crisis during an interview with the Wall Street Journal about the Instagram live show she started called Bright Minded. Apparently, some celebs she's DMed to come on have ignored her, which Miley says she gets. She said... I'm sure some people I was reaching out to felt the same way I do, which is that my experience is so rare, it almost doesn't feel right to talk about. This isn't COVID-19, what I'm experiencing. My life has been pushed pause on, but really I have no idea what this pandemic is like. Which, yes, true. There is at least one way that Miley's experience is relatable, though.
2: I have not gotten out of these sweatpants uh, for about five days, and I have no plans on doing it anytime soon.
1: I... I 100% relate to that. I have like two pairs of sweatpants that I just rotate in and out, in and out.
0: I My like home shorts, I are going to be completely threadbare by the time we get out of here. I put on the hard <laughs> pants, do the work of the podcast because it makes me feel more focused. But yeah, I live in like one outfit otherwise. And I can't wait for the ceremonial burning of all of our quarantine clothes <laughs> when this ends.
1: Forget bra burning. It's sweatpant burning. <laughs> Um, Okay, so bad news for parents who just wanted to put on a Disney movie to distract their kids. It turns out babies can't stop crying when watching Frozen 2. One TikTok user first noticed that his baby would start crying during a part of the song Into the Unknown. That was a full-on wail from that baby who had to hide his little face in his mom's shoulder. But he's not alone. Other parents are reporting the same, that these notes are causing instant tears from their babies. A bunch of commenters on TikTok were sure that this was a sign that babies are super empathetic and could tell that the song is sad.
0: I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest. Like, yeah, I get that these babies are clearly triggered by something, but I don't think it's like, oh, this minor key makes me feel these sad baby feelings.
1: Yeah, I'm like, it could be that, or it could be that it's like some sort of pitch that they don't like with their little baby ears.
0: Right? (laughs) Or it just sounds like another baby crying to them, and they're like, oh no, now I'm upset. (laughs)
1: Oh okay, well, that is empathetic then. <laughs> more like, uh no,
0: actually, you're right. That would be pretty empathetic of them. Like how when like one baby starts crying in like uh, daycare, then all the babies start crying because they don't know what's wrong. Yeah. but there's something wrong here
1: <laughs> Something is afoot. <laughs>
0: <gasps> something is not right to quote the Madeline movie. <laughs> all right it's time for a quick break when we come back i'm going to be talking with dan vergano who's here to tell us some science be right back
1: at chief it we're tired of hearing new year new you fat burning secrets and lose weight fast the only thing you need to lose is self-doubt The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022.
2: The
0: Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities. We just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangster Chronicles podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever
2: you get your podcasts. Hi. I'm Robert Sex Reese, host of The Dr. Sex Reese Show. And every episode, I listen to people talk about their sex and intimacy issues. And yes, I despise every minute of it. I yeah. mean, she, she made mistakes too. right? That's I mean, true. She, she did she, kill everyone at her wedding. But hell is real. We're all trapped here. And there's nothing any of us can do about it. So join me, won't you? Listen to The Dr. Sex Reese Show every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back. It's time for Say More. We're asking a lot of scientists these days as we struggle to figure out anything, from how COVID-19 is spreading to how to treat it, to who it's even infecting. And keeping track of what we know and what's out of date can be daunting. Luckily, we have Buzzfeed News Science Reporter Dan Vergano with us today to help us out. Hello, Dan. Hi Hayes, how are you doing? Oh, you know, surviving, thankfully. <laughs> um so it feels sometimes like, you know, guidelines and recommendations and really just what we know about this virus and how we should be responding. It's changing every day. So, how should we be sorting through all of this?
2: Well, the first thing is to realize that uh, a lot of it is uncertain. Uh, That what you're watching, uh, we all have our face pressed to the glass, is uh, how science actually works, like on on speed, and all the uncertainty (laughs) and confusion and backtracking that usually plays out over like a decade. In finding out something about a new virus has been put on the high rinse cycle here, and we are seeing uh, in real time confusion, mistakes, uncertainty. And the uh, thing to keep in mind is when you see something is new or it has come out in a new study just found, or you know there's preliminary signs of blah blah blah. Don't sell your house because of it. It's it's all tentative and um, contingent on you know a series of studies finding it all out or a series of results. So we're we're watching the mess. It's it's a lot like when there's a report of something awful happening mm-hmm. uh, in the news and, you know, there's been a shooting or a plane has crashed or something like this. The first reports are always wrong, right? It's, you know, they get the location wrong. They get the number of people wrong. They get the number of, you know, assailants wrong. And this is just happening day after day after day after day because this is such a hideously complicated situation, and it's hard for you know experts to get their hands around it the chances that the first time you hear about something is going to be right or it's very low so you you need to you know pay attention to the basic biology of this you know wash your hands don't be around people who are sick don't get other people sick this is an infectious disease that is uh, attacking people because we don't have any immunity to it and that's just the bottom line mm-hmm. but if you hear about a miracle cure or a shocking finding then just realize that it needs to be checked out pretty carefully.
0: Yeah, just hit pause on that. So right now, though, we are seeing, speaking of miracle cures, we're seeing labs around the world really just pushing themselves harder and harder to try and find a vaccine for coronavirus. We've heard a bunch of different estimates for when one might actually be available to the public. What's the latest on that?
2: Well, there's some hopes that if we start actually building factories now to make stuff, even if we know it's not going to work, Bill Gates has talked about building seven factories and maybe two of them will actually be a winner in terms of the the vaccine model they go after. You could have a vaccine in about a year, which would be a miracle that would be enough of this stuff to start giving it to healthcare providers and the most high at risk people, the elderly and people with uh, illnesses that make them more likely to die. If they get this, uh, that's not going to be for everybody. There's, you know, 320 million people in this country and hopefully, uh, not all of them uh, will have gotten the disease by then. You're talking about tens of millions of people needing a vaccine and then billions of people worldwide. So it's going to be at best, uh, if that works out, that's a real gamble. There's no guarantees of it. vaccines go bad all the time, we've seen this with HIV for decades, um, then it's a year. Otherwise, people like Tony Fauci was talking about 18 months. Other people have talked about two years. Some people have looked at what you need to scale it up widely. We're talking You know, more years. The hope is that we're gambling and that this is a virus that's amenable to vaccines. There's, again, some early studies, but take that for what it's worth, suggesting that might be the case. But, you know, any sooner than that, very hard to see.
0: Over the last like few months, we've seen so many weird symptoms pop up related to COVID 19 in a way that we don't really see with other diseases.
2: What should we make of that? There's all kinds of ways to answer that. Uh, nobody knows for sure is the first thing to say. The possibilities include the fact that this is a brand new disease hitting the, uh, a naive human immune system. So it's exploiting all these weaknesses that individuals have in their own you know system that wouldn't have been tweaked for a mm. disease that they had some immunity to, your rhinoviruses and the more common coronaviruses. It might be that we just aren't looking close enough. Maybe all kinds of viruses do all kinds of weird stuff like this all the time, but you have the entire medical enterprise now looking very carefully at these people, trying to find any weird thing to find out as much as they can about it. The main thing is people have this idea that we understand a hell of a lot, about all these other diseases, but we don't. I mean, we don't really mm-hmm. take this hard a look at them. You know, it might be that measles does all kinds of crazy stuff, mm. but, you know, it's not really ethical to give people measles and then see what happens to them. <laughs> and so it's only here where we're having this hard look at a, a terrible disease that we're, we're observing these kind of things. But that's, that's all speculative. So we don't know.
0: You and Kadia Goba wrote a story recently that highlighted just how disparate the effects of COVID-19 have been on the Black community versus everyone else mm-hmm. in America. And, you know, what with the Tuskegee Airmen situation of the past in like older people's minds and the way that everything is set up in the U.S. I'm going to go out on a limb and say structural racism plays a pretty big role in that like uh, gap of how this is affecting black Americans versus the rest of the country.
2: Right. This disease is an x-ray or a a way to rip the mask off of all the inequities in American life. I mean, clearly you have people in you know, these meatpacking factories getting sick. You know, what's that about? Here you have black Americans are overwhelmingly, you know, the poor ones stuck in these jobs where they have this contact of the public that puts them at risk. And so we're seeing this in cases, but there's also this the structural racism, you know, the, that we're seeing where they don't get as good health care. They don't have yeah. as good health care conditions to start with. Uh, there is mistrust of medicine in the community dating to things like you mentioned the Tuskegee experiments on sharecroppers and even going back further than that you know the the antebellum era of you know mistreatment hell you couldn't get treated at some hospitals in uh, the american south you know or elsewhere in the u.s you know, not just the south to pick on them if you were black for a long time so mm-hmm. you know all those things add up to a hell of a worse situation it's bad all the time of course but it just puts these people more at risk. And so the effect is, yeah, we're seeing in, in some places they're getting hit really hard.
0: Okay, I'm going to go for a Hail Mary here and try and get something positive out of this. Dan, <laughs> please, what is the most positive thing you have heard recently related to ending this pandemic?
2: The most positive thing, and it can't be said enough, is that most people realize how serious this is. Mm-hmm. Something like 80% of the population, if you believe the polls, gets it. You know, so we're really like yelling at the the 20 percent of the population that somehow doesn't take this seriously. Most people understand that very well, take this seriously and have, have come together. I mean, everywhere you see people helping each other out, which is a, a great thing. It's it's um, the fact that, you know, the American people are so divided, have for the most part, like understood this and taken the heart. It speaks really well of the, of the country. The problem, of course, is the Same old thing as always with America that until something terrible happens to, to you, you, a lot of people just don't seem to care. And so that's what we're going to see looking at.
0: Uh, you are so close to ending that on a positive note. Oh, but I'm then sorry. You took I, it, I don't then do you happy. You know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, do this for three months or seven days a week, and you Dude, know, see how depressing it. you were. But it, it is beautiful to see how Americans have come together and how many of them do get this. You know, it's underneath it all. The, the country really does understand what's going on, I think.
0: So speaking of seven days, we've been asking people this week, given that Mother's Day is this coming weekend, and given that, you know, most of us are still in lockdown around the country, how are you planning on spending that? I'm going to be working. Yeah, fair <laughs> I, work, enough. Uh,
2: I work seven days a week. But I'll, I will call my mother, who is on the board of directors of a uh, over 50 community and so a lot of our uh, chats with my mom now are these sort of technical discussions of uh, masks and uh, drive-throughs and and so forth and what are the cdc's latest things so it's it's become a weird sort of <laughs> technical partnership with my mother, the uh, the politician, um, dealing with the community and this problem.
0: I mean, I shout out to Mama Vergano for being the leader that her people need in this time, though. <laughs> and Dan, <laughs> thank you so much for joining and for giving us all of this scary but extremely useful information.
2: Take care of yourself, Hayes. Great talking to you. Hayes,
1: it's Wednesday, my dude. <laughs> So we're gonna be playing a round of gotta pick one.
0: Do your worst, I'm ready.
1: You say that now. For those listening who haven't heard this bit before, here's how it works. We have two categories each with four choices. Hayes will have to pick just one of those items to exist. The others become a myth, a whisper. Never happened, never seen.
0: (sighs) Okay, I walked myself into this corner so what are today's categories?
1: First up we have classic 90s sitcoms. Your choices are Friends, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Seinfeld, and The Nanny.
0: Oh no. Um this is not good. I Okay, so Seinfeld whatever. I'm sorry to all the Seinfeld fans out there but I have no affinity for you. Friends we we got a lot of laughs and I'm sorry for all the revenue that Warner will no longer have, but got to get rid of you. So it's between the nanny and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for me. I, I got to keep the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for the culture. I'm sorry. The others can go, but the Fresh Prince must survive.
1: Let me play devil's advocate and just say this. Mm -hmm. She was working in a bridal shop in Flushing, Queens, till her boyfriend kicked her out in one of those crushing scenes. I mean... (laughs) Do you want that to never exist?
0: I don't. I mean, the fact that I even had to make this choice is terrible, (laughs) but... If West Philadelphia is no longer represented in song the way it is in the Fresh Prince theme, what do they have left? Answer, nothing. No apologies to you, Philadelphia. Listen,
1: I, I understand. I just, like, freaking love the nanny theme song. In California when, growing up, when, or Los Angeles, when public schools are overcrowded, they do a um, this thing where you... Everyone's, like, on a rotation of when you're in school, and I was on track A, so I went to school from August to December, but then my winter break, I didn't go back at the end of December until mid-March. Jeez. So my parents had nothing for me to do for two and a half months, and I watched The Nanny every morning, so...
0: So you have just the complete (laughs) nanny in your head. I caught The Nanny, you know, in syndication, like most people, but not, like, the entire run, so kudos to you.
1: Okay, second topic, which is sure to be harder, reality TV shows. Your choices are Vanderpump Rules, Survivor, American Idol, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette.
0: Um, okay, so I think that uh, this is tough because American Idol gave us Kelly Clarkson, but it also gave us from Justin Mm. to Kelly. So (laughs) Vanderpump rules. I love those beautiful idiots. Uh, Okay. I'm going to keep Vanderpump rules. Everything else has to go. I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) That was my first one I was crossing off. Like, yes, season two and season three are like defining seasons of reality TV Mm -hmm. as a whole. But, oh, my God, I don't even know why I'm saying this because I didn't even like the show. But American Idol just feels so culturally important. Like, my God, did that take the the country by storm?
0: I mean, true. It absolutely did. But then you get to the later seasons and it's like, eh, everything after Taylor Hicks, everyone stopped paying attention, I feel like. That's just my opinion, man. Sorry, Simon Cowell. (laughs) Don't hunt me down and kill me, please, sir.
1: (laughs) Not to bring up the voice again, but it is so interesting. American Idol was able to turn all these people into massive stars and hits. And the voice, I can't I've watched every single season of that show, and I can't name one person that's one. But
0: see, here's the thing: you say all these people, but much like many of these reality competition shows, there's like a couple, but a bunch of seasons where you just don't remember anyone who won it. It's like the people who won America's Next Top Model, Project Runway down the line. It's same with American Idol. I feel like we had Justin Kelly. We had Ruben Studdard and Taylor Hicks. We had Fantasia. And that's everyone I can name from that show. By the way, listeners, after we recorded, I was reminded that Jennifer Hudson and Carrie Underwood both were on American Idol. So stands of them, please. Again, with a no murder c- request. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so what do you out there think, listeners? Does the world fall apart without Seinfeld? Can we not survive without Survivor? Let us know. Send an email to o'clock all one word, at buzzfeed.com. And you can either write down your brilliant opinion or, even better, record it as a voice memo and send it to us. That's o'clock at buzzfeed.com or DM us on Twitter, where we're also at o'clock.
1: Okay, we have time for one more thing. And it's all about love and grief.
0: Those things... Unfortunately, they do often go hand in hand, yeah.
1: Yesterday was Vanessa Bryant's birthday, and just last week would have been Gigi Bryant's 14th birthday, so it must have been a tough one for her. But she shared on Instagram that she found something really special the day before. What was it? It was an unopened letter from Kobe Bryant that he wrote before the crash that killed him and Gigi in January.
0: Oh, wow.
1: I know. In her post, she said that the envelope was labeled to the love of my life, from, to Poppy. And that while she wasn't going to share what was inside, she did say that the cover of the card was an artist drawing of her being held up by an angel.
0: Oh man, I just pulled up the post myself here and wow, yeah, she ended with grateful to wake up to my three sweet girls today. Wish we were all together. This is a lot.
1: It really is, but it's just so, so sweet. I mean, I hope it was a comfort to her. And to, I can't... Finding, finding words that your loved one wrote that you've never read before. I mean, it is them. It's their voice. It's their thoughts. It's their love, you know?
0: I totally get that. Like, I don't have anything quite like that myself. But I know that I, there are people that I know who have found, like, voicemails that they've forgotten about and things of that nature that just... Help them process and help them remember. And I really hope that that was the experience that Vanessa Bryant had here.
1: Definitely. Um, My grandma actually passed away about three weeks ago from COVID-19. And um, when my mom and dad have been currently been going through their garage to clear it out, you know, and uh, she found a letter that she'd never read before from my grandma that was addressed to me and it was written. The day after I was born and it told this whole story about what it was like me being born and then how my mom and her got trapped in an elevator. (laughs) and My grandpa had to go find them. And I mean, it was funny and it was sweet and it was something totally unexpected. And I'm I'm sure in that same way that um, Vanessa is treasuring that letter. I mean, and I'm just like so happy seeing via social media, the support that she's gotten from friends and loved ones. I mean, and fans alike. I mean, Kobe Bryant is Kobe Bryant and she's definitely has the world's support and love.
0: Right. And like she said, she's got her three little girls to wake up to. So happy birthday, Vanessa.
1: That's it for today. Meet you back here tomorrow to talk to BuzzFeed Books editor Ariana Rebellini about this month's BuzzFeed Book Club pick Chosen Ones by Veronica Roth.
0: And remember, you can close Facebook and Twitter. I promise it can be done, and I highly recommend it.
1: Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And
0: please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. Also, please tell your friends about us and make sure you all set your alarms so you never miss News O'Clock. grows in the forest our imagination and our family bonds the forest is closer than you think find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org brought to you by the united states forest service and the ad council
1: from cavalry audio comes the new true crime podcast the shadow girls i grew up near the banks of the green river and in the shadow of the killer that bears its name.
2: Prosecutors described him as a serial killer savant.
1: But this podcast isn't only about tracking down the killer. It's about the victims. We stayed in the woods. He always liked to go in the woods. Listen to The Shadow Girls on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: You can watch the NFL playoffs like a fan, or you can prep like a scout if you listen to the award-winning Move the Sticks podcast. The show is hosted by me, Daniel Jeremiah, and my partner, Bucky Brooks. The two of us are bringing the knowledge from a career as NFL talent scouts to the podcast world so fans can watch and understand the nuances of the game like never before. We'll break down film from the professional and college game to get you ready for the Super Bowl, the draft, and kickoff next fall. Subscribe now and listen to the Move
2: the Sticks podcast on the iHeartRadio app on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.